playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. We get a weakness. You got to see this. You're listening to The Weekly Brew with Austin Stepp, Jeremy Paxton, and Hunter Atkins. It's time to sit back, relax, and be informed. Welcome to The Weekly Brew Podcast, and Happy New Year to all of our listeners. My name is Austin Staten, and this is the first episode of 2018. It's a little bit different of an episode, as you can tell. We do not have a, uh, a full cast, and that's because we wanted to uh, bring you a special uh, NFL Wild Card Weekend Preview with Taylor Bashotti, and of course with the NFL Playoff Games, the Wild Card Round taking place on both Saturday and Sunday, we figured that we would release this episode on Friday, and it would be a little bit brief, and we'll come at you again with episode 120 on Monday morning. Uh, but again, uh, Taylor Bashotti is going to join us here in just a few moments, and she's been uh, a great guest for us this past year, breaking down the NFL and uh, kind of the ins and outs of what has been going on this season. So we're going to break down all four playoff matchups in the wild card round and also discuss a little college football taylor of course is a university of georgia grad and she was at the rose bowl and their big overtime win against oklahoma so we'll get into all of that here in just a few moments but uh, as mentioned again if you want to follow our work you can just search weekly brewcast on facebook twitter instagram and youtube you can also subscribe to our website at weeklybrewcast.com. And if that's not enough, we're going to provide another episode, and that'll officially be episode 120 here on Monday. So stay tuned for that. But without further ado, it's time to sit back, relax, and be informed. You're listening to The Weekly Brew. After a week full of NFL games, it's time to break it all down with the NFL Network's Taylor Bashotti on Taylor's Top Takeaways. Joining us now on the Weekly Brew for their first appearance in 2018 is Taylor Bashotti. And Taylor, Happy New Year. Congrats to your Georgia Bulldogs on their big Rose Bowl win over Oklahoma. And you were at the game. Uh, first off, how was, like I guess, your New Year's experience? What was the atmosphere like there at the Rose Bowl? And your dogs have a shot against Alabama on Monday night. Happy New Year to you, too. It was quite a way to kick off the new year. It was hands down the best college game I've ever been to. I mean, honestly, I couldn't even think about one that compared to it. We started off slow. I mean, the first half I was thinking, God, my Ravens lost yesterday. Now my Georgia Bulldogs are about to lose. I'm going to chalk this one up as just a loss for a weekend in sports. Um, They came back out in the second half and looked like a completely different team. First half, our defense basically was not there. I mean, we couldn't stop them. They basically scored on every single drive. It was unbelievable. We kind of stayed in the game and uh, got to, we scored a field goal and made it 17 at half. So it was like 34-17. Second half, we came out, and I do not know what Kirby Smart said in that locker room, but they came out and looked like a completely different team. Their defense stepped up and was able to stop them quite a few times. And then the offense really came together, and there was just... It was crazy. It was one of the neatest atmospheres I've ever been in. First of all, it was really hard to tell if there was more Georgia fans than Oklahoma fans there because obviously I think that it's going to be all Georgia fans, but I'm sure it was probably about half and half just because it was all red. You couldn't really tell. And it was actually a really fun, like, ambiance environment. There was no fights. Everybody was very just, like, kind of happy to be there. It was it was amazing. It was incredible. At one point, all the once it got dark, you know, it became kind of cold and so it was hard to see and everybody turned on their uh, flashlights on their phone and kind of was holding them up after Georgia had scored a touchdown. It was just 
I think I took a Insta video of it. I don't know if you saw it, but it was just, it was really, really cool. It was really neat. And it was almost just something that you'd always watched on TV. I had never been to the Rose Bowl for obviously Rose Bowl game. And it was, it was truly incredible. And of course we have a chance to beat Alabama Monday night. Absolutely. If anybody could do it, it's Kirby Smart, considering he knows that team so well. Exactly. It's kind of fun to watch Georgia because, you know, they have such a great defense, two great running backs. They've got a, a true freshman quarterback. So uh, definitely a fun squad to watch. And, you know, I think Kirby Smart's doing a great job, and they will definitely be uh, around in the future. But, you know, we did want to bring you on to talk NFL. And, you know, first off, I, I think I told you this, like, in one of the first episodes we had you on this year, but we are cheering for the Bulldogs on Monday night. But, uh, you know, while we had an insane college football playoff game semifinal game uh, black monday came for several nfl organizations with either you know moves in the front office head coaches being shown the door franchise quarterbacks like carson palmer retiring and john gruden is apparently going to be the next head coach with the raiders but you know as of the time that we are recording this podcast uh, the bears lions colts giants raiders and cardinals are looking for new head coaches If, if you're a head coach taylor which job is more attractive and built for immediate success? This Black Monday and this kind of situation is so unique because it's very rare that organizations fire their head coach when they already have a franchise quarterback. The most difficult part usually, if it's one of the most difficult or the most difficult part for a team is to find a franchise quarterback And for there to be two of these teams that already have franchise quarterbacks with the Lions with Matthew Stafford and the Colts with Andrew Luck, it's very, I can't recall a time where it's really been like that, where teams with franchise quarterbacks have fired their coaches. If I was a head coach right now and I'm looking to, if I had my pick pick of which team I would go to, I would probably choose the Lions just because Andrew Luck's status with the Colts is not it's still very vague. We were talking about this last summer. We didn't think he would be back this year. We thought it was very sketchy that nobody was commenting on it. And for his injury, he should be back at this time. He should be throwing a ball. It makes you, regardless of what he said, I don't know if you saw his press conference uh, two weeks ago, I think it was, regardless of what he said, I don't know if he will be back as strong. I don't know if they messed up the surgery. I don't know what the deal is because for for his injury, it just it doesn't add up. It just doesn't make sense as to why he's not back out there. So I think that is a big question mark. But if he is healthy, he's a franchise quarterback for uh, Indy. And that's two teams right there out of the one, two, three, four, five, six uh, head coaching jobs that are open that have franchise quarterbacks. I also want to speak real quick about John Gruden because, you know, all reports are saying that he's going to Oakland. He spent time there in the past. They do have a franchise quarterback, Derek Carr, who they just gave, you know, a huge contract extension to last offseason. I mean, what is that dynamic like as that team prepares to move to Las Vegas? You know, I think that moving a team is difficult. That would be the one drawback for the Raiders for and, and for Gruden. For me, just because we saw how difficult it was when the St. Louis, now the L.A. Rams moved here. You know, it took them a year to get on their feet. No matter really what you say and like that you're just going to immediately adapt. I don't think it's really that possible to do so. I mean, you need to kind of develop a new fan base and you need to develop fans there. And that's moving and uprooting your entire organization is difficult enough as it is. And then to establish a fan base and have success is just a lot. So I think that is 
adding to the difficulty of the job that he's taking on. But like you just said, he, they do have a franchise quarterback there. One thing that I thought was really funny is that John Gruden, I think it was two days ago, said, I think I'm being considered for the head coaching job of the Raiders, even though it had been widely reported for like two days now. Like Ian had it like three days before then that he was pretty much going to be the Raiders head coach. But they hadn't told him yet. Didn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, I think that's just a, uh, a PR play by ESPN, you know, try to engage people to try to, you know, watch the playoff games this weekend. Uh, but, you know, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the playoffs. You know, last time we spoke, it, you know, we were talking about the playoff picture and what it looked like. But wildcard round is here this Saturday. And, and let's start with the first game in the AFC. We've got Titans and Chiefs. And uh, Titans are making their first appearance in the postseason since losing to the Ravens 13-10 to uh, back in 2009 in the divisional round. And the Chiefs, you know, have had one of the weirdest seasons that I can think of. I mean, they start 5-0, and then lose 6-7, of then finish the season with a 4-0 record. Uh, they're nine-point favorites. Who wins this game? I think the Chiefs do. One, one aspect that stands out to me is their offense really fell off track. And once uh, offensive coordinator Matt Nagy took over play calling duties, their offense has been completely back on track. So it was almost like, Right when he jumped on board to start calling plays, that's when it kind of all clicked back together for them. It was bizarre, though. I mean, they started off as we were debating for them to be possibly the best team in the NFL, and then they just had that huge loss streak. Uh, they have tra- they have a lot of weapons. So Alex Smith is having his best season of his career. He's had 12 passing touchdowns and two interceptions in six playoff games. That's the best postseason touchdown-interception ratio of any player in the Super Bowl era. DeMarco Murray has already been ruled out for the Titans, which is going to put all the pressure on Derrick Henry, which will be an easy easy offense for them to try and stop. But the Chiefs do have the 28th-ranked overall defense, so that is going to be an issue for them moving forward in the playoffs, I think. But I don't know if it's really going to be that much of an issue this year. Also, Mariota's performance has not been that great this year he's had a big drop off and i think that's definitely going to be concerning for them so i'm in agreement with you i think the uh, the chiefs pulled that one out but uh, let's go to the first nfc game on saturday night and uh you know that to me is i think the marquee matchup of the first round i mean we've got uh, the upstart rams with that dynamic offense going against the defending nfc champs the atlanta falcons and the Rams have been so much fun to watch this season. Of course, they've got Sean McVay, who's, what, 22 years old and coaching in the NFL. They've got uh, Todd Gurley, who potentially could win the MVP award this year. And Jared Goff, who everyone thought was a bust last season, is, you know, playing out of his mind at quarterback. You know, all their although they are young and inexperienced in the postseason, they're a six-and-a-half-point favorite against the Falcons. How do they stack up against Matt Ryan and Atlanta? It's funny. When you first just introduced this game to me, I, I had a flashback of last year's Falcons-Rams game when a bunch of my friends actually came in town for it, and they were like, you know, we're, we're excited to come in town not only because it's L.A., but because we know that the Falcons are going to win because of the difference a year makes in a team. The Rams last year looked just totally, totally different than the Rams this year. As you just mentioned, Jared Goff has proven his worth. They now have the number one scoring offense this season. Each of the last two number one scoring offenses actually advanced to the Super Bowl that season. So that was kind of interesting for me. I think that that just shows that they're going to – I definitely think they're going to win this game. But I think that they are – probably going to make it to the Super Bowl. Yes, that's a hot take, but I just don't, I can't see a team that is that much better than them or that they can't beat. Because you think about it, and yes, they got beat by the Seahawks 
the first time they met this year. The second time they met this year, it was in Seattle, and it was a blowout. I mean, the Rams just crushed them. I think Todd Gurley has really come into his own. Obviously, he was incredible at Georgia, but struggled last year to really get his groove going. This year, not at all. Sean McVay's obviously coach of the year. I mean, there's really no other way of putting it. He's done something that I don't know anybody else that could have done that with this team. So it is going to be a matchup of two of the best running backs, but I just don't feel like the Falcons have it as much this year as they did last year. And I think that the Rams look great. So I think that there's going to be a lot that's going to need to kind of bounce their way and they're going to have to play out of their out of their league for this year in order to beat the Rams. I think it's kind of interesting because last year the Falcons sort of had the hottest offensive mind in the game. Absolutely. But, you know, he moves on, and, and now the Rams seem to have that hottest offensive coach in the game. So it, it's and, too— you know, it's funny because the Falcons were actually the number one scoring offense last year. Yeah, very, very much similarities. I mean, they both have, you know, great running backs, solid offensive weapons at wide receiver, uh, you know, quarterbacks that can move it down the field. So it's, it's very, very similar when you look at those two teams. But— uh, you know, moving on to the uh, the Sunday games, uh, it's a little bit different for that first early matchup. We've got a Jaguars team who hasn't made the playoffs in a decade. They win the AFC South and a Buffalo Bills team that, you know, sort of backed into the postseason. They needed some help to get there. And it's their first game since the playoff game, since the Music City Miracle back on January 8th, 2000. And I remember that game 17 years ago as a kid, which is just insane to think about. But uh, the Jags are nine-point favorites at home. You know, they've got a uh, phenomenal defense. Blake Bortles is a little bit of a question mark. But who do you like in this game? So it's funny that you say Blake Bortles a question mark. I would have said that the exact same thing. But you know who Blake Bortles reminds me of is Joe Flacco right now. Joe Flacco is an inconsistent quarterback. There's no other way to candy coat it. He's just inconsistent. But when he's hot, he's hot. And he's better than any quarterback out there, especially in the playoffs. And Blake Bortles is kind of showing me some of those tendencies right now. Yes, in the beginning of the year, we're thinking, oh, gosh, the Jags can't go far with Blake at QB. Well, they have. Like you said, they have an insanely strong defense. Uh I think that it just dropped to number two, but maybe it's back up at number one. It's either the first or second uh, defense in the league, overall defense in the league. So I think that obviously helps them a lot, but Blake Bortles is playing great. There's really no issues on their offense when it comes to that as well. Um, It's hard for, obviously, offenses that they're playing to put up points against them, especially with Saxonville. But Calais Campbell is ridiculous. I definitely think it's going to be a Jags victory. It's really neat to think about what well, it's kind of neat for both of these teams. That's kind of, that kind of sucks, but it's really neat to think about the Jags who've never really been that respected to all of a sudden become just such a dominant, dominant team. I think back to last season, I'm again, referring back to the Rams, the Rams, and the Jags, and now they're in the playoffs and two of the best teams in the league. It's shocking to see how far both of those two teams have come in a year. But that's the fun thing about the NFL is, you know, any team can come out of anywhere at any time you know there's you know some consistencies like the patriots the uh, the steelers but that's what's so fun about the league is seeing these teams kind of make those runs and the jaguars this year in the afc south doing what they did was uh, quite fun to watch especially uh, you know with the secondary i mean they've got two of the best defensive backs aj boye who i think had the uh, the lowest completion percentage against him uh since what was it 1996 or 2006 but it, it, they're just so much fun to watch and i i tend to agree with you i think the jags win that game hold on but... back to the jags back to this one game for a second it's tyrod and blake's first playoff start ever which is kind of a neat fact about that game uh and the only quarterback to win 
when both quarterbacks were rookies is Brock Osweiler. Who would have guessed that? <laughs> Who uh, is not really uh, well well liked here in the city of Houston, uh, but. <laughs> But let's go to that last uh, wild card round game, and that's uh, you know a pair of NFC South divisional rivals, and that's the Panthers and the Saints. And uh, this one, both teams finished eleven and five. Saints were two and zero against the Panthers this season. Uh, you know they beat them thirty one twenty one in December. Uh, the game's being played in New Orleans. Saints are a touchdown favorite. Uh, does Drew Brees you know get the job done, or is it too difficult? you know, for the Saints to beat a team three times in one season. No, I definitely think that Drew Brees is going to get it done. The Saints just look like such a strong team. They have Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, who have both been absolutely incredible this season. What a running back duo. They've each recorded 1,500-plus scrimmage yards in the same season, which is the first time ever in NFL history to do that. Uh, Drew Brees is able to stretch the field through Michael Thomas. He's a veteran quarterback who's had experience in the playoffs. I think the most experience in the playoffs uh, for this year, besides Tom Brady, obviously, but definitely out of these games. Um, I definitely think it's just going to be a Saints win. Yes, it is difficult to beat a team three times in the same season, but I just don't feel like the Panthers have really come together that well. Yeah, and Kamara's kind of an interesting story at running back because, you know, he is a rookie. Uh, if it wasn't for Adrian Peterson, you know, uh, moving on to Arizona, we might not have seen him develop into probably the rookie of the year this year. So I think the Saints are definitely a fun team to watch. And they're also doing a lot better of a job this year on defense, which to me is uh, remarkable. But, well, Taylor, it's always uh, great to have you on the podcast. And I guess, uh, you know, we've got the, uh, the playoff games coming up Saturday and Sunday, but uh, what can we expect? from you whether it's on social media or on the nfl network for coverage throughout the playoffs um so as far as news goes i would follow me on twitter i'm pretty much in every day doing updates and uh exactly kind of like what's happening when it comes to injuries and whatnot and that'll be monday through friday and then we are possibly going to shoot in case you missed it the february edition which is going to be a full hour in february rather than 30 minutes which i'm really excited about we are going to do kind of like the best of the season. So we do have tons of content from January and February, obviously, because it's a holiday season. But because we are doing an hour, we're going to do not only that content, but also just the best of the year. And we might shoot it from uh, Minnesota. So that would be really neat to do that at the Super Bowl and then have that air probably the second Saturday of February. Make sure to bring your heavy jacket uh, to Minnesota for the Super Bowl. Oh, my gosh. No kidding. We were actually talking about that. Um, they're going to put... Uh, like hand warmers all along like the waistlines of the battery packs because you know they go on like your belt loops or whatever and so they're going to put hand warmers for the batteries so the batteries don't freeze up and I'm thinking oh my gosh you're doing it for the batteries what about us we need like hand warmer blankets <laughs> that's too funny uh, well I, I will say I don't think the weather is going to be as nice as it was in Houston last year for the Super Bowl but uh, you can't have it all so. no I'm going to miss that Houston Super Bowl I loved I absolutely loved having this uh, Super Bowl in Houston I thought that they had done such an incredible job putting it all together well thanks for the kind shout out to the city i know that the city definitely appreciates it but uh taylor always great to have you on the show and for our listeners out there you can follow her on social media just search at taylor bashotti and uh taylor we look forward to having you back on uh hopefully later in the postseason to uh discuss the rest of the playoffs yeah absolutely i'm excited for these first round of games to be underway and for us to continue on thanks for having me you've been listening to the weekly brew 